Welcome to Ikoyi Baptist Church. Thank you for tuning into our podcast services. Listen and be blessed. Tonight, the Lord will have us reflect on yet another promise of the year of Jubilee. We have reflected on repentance. We've reflected on release. And we have reflected on rest. That's three arrows. When God commanded the 50th year as the year of Jubilee, a year that Israel should regard as holy, God further called for repentance and atonement. And as part of the Jubilee decree, God told Moses, every slave must be freed in the year of Jubilee to return to his property and to his family. You see that in Leviticus chapter 25 verse 10. It is repeated in Leviticus 25 verse 13 and severally. This evening we will be reflecting on God's Jubilee and the command for our restoration. God's jubilee and the command for our restoration. You can use command, you can use the demand for our restoration. What is the meaning of the word restoration? You may want to ask. What does this word mean? What does it mean to restore? First, it means it can mean to return some to, to, to return to someone to return to someone something that he lost. So if I lose my khaki and I'm looking for it and you find it, you might want to restore it to me. I don't think it will cross your mind that you should go and drive and just drive away. You all look like Christians. So, sorry, you all are Christians. And so you might want to restore the key to me. So it can mean to restore to someone something that he has lost. It can mean to return to someone something that was seized from him by force. Or taken from him by an authority. So if your car was impounded by Lasma and you go to their office and do all that is necessary, they might want to restore your car to you. It can also mean in this same spirit to return to someone something that was stolen from them. So if a car is stolen and is reported to the police and they mount up checkpoints and the guys panic and they dump the car, 
the police might find it and want to restore it to the rightful owner. Or one of your staff steals from you and has a change of mind. Maybe he comes for a revival like this. That's why you should invite your staffs. He might want to come tomorrow morning and say, Pastor, Daddy, Oga, when the pastor was preaching yesterday, God touched my heart. I have siphoned this amount from the office. I know it is possible I might lose my job, but please, I want to restore it back. That's one sense of restoration. It could also suggest returning to a person or returning a person to a former position. Returning a person to a former position. Maybe you used to be in a position in the office and then by one scheming or manipulation or the other, they hedged you out. And then they discover that things were not going well. And then they say, come, let's restore that man. And then they restore you. It is restoring somebody to a former position of glory. Taken from him. A good example, you find it in Daniel chapter 4. The king Nebuchadnezzar. He was so awesome. He was the king of all the known earth at that time. The known world at that time was under him. He had put up an empire by the help of God that transcended the, the known world at his time. And when his heart began to be highly lifted up, ahead of time, God sent him a warning. But he did not hither the warning. He received interpretation of the warning through Daniel. The Bible says, is it 10 months later, he forgot. He was in his palace going around like this. I'm sure the palace was bigger than this. He was going to say, this is Babylon that I have put up in my own power and in my mind. And instantly from heaven, he heard a voice and judgment was placed on him. He lost his position. He lost his mind lost his capacity to be human, became like a wild beast, and of course automatically lost his throne. He lost the glory of the empire and he was sent into the wilderness. Seven seasons he was in the wilderness before his sanity returned to him. He was restored. When I was in the Boy Scout, we used to sing a song. We say Nebuchadnezzar, hey, hey. Nebuchadnezzar, hey, hey. When I say, you say, hey, hey. Nebuchadnezzar, hey, hey. Nebuchadnezzar, hey. He was a king in the Bible. Then we now change. God, the punish him. Then you will answer me. God, the hammer him. God, the punish him. God, the punish him. He begin to waka, begin to waka. With him handle, with him handle, with him bia bia, with him. And then we will be singing it to teach humility. Uh, but this is not the Boy Scouts. So, restoration can mean restoring a person to a former position of former glory that has been taken from them. 
It could be restoring a person to a rightful position. He wasn't in that position before. But by right, it is supposed to be his position. Maybe his father was there. And then after his father died, somebody else came and said, No, I'm the one that should be there. And by might or by what influence, they took over. And then in a later time, they said, No, 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 no. This is not the person that should be there. Let's restore the right lineage. Restoration suggests returning that which has been ruined, that which has been polluted, that which has become degenerate, restoring it back to its former beauty, its former purity, its former strength, or former state of glory. Restoring that which has been ruined, polluted, that has become degenerate, back to its former beauty, its former purity, its former strength or former state of glory. When ISIS began to trample through the Middle East, they began to destroy very important monuments, ancient monuments that has been for thousands of years. They began to destroy them. Artifacts, museums, they destroyed things. Things that cannot be bought with money. And after they were pushed away, part of the rebuilding that has to be done is the restoration of critical historical artifacts. Maybe a painting that was done by Michelangelo or somebody many millions of years before, hundreds of years before. And then it has been spoiled by water. Then you restore it. In the music realm, we have what we call the restoration of violins. A violin that was done maybe in the 16th century by the Amati family, by the Stradivari family. And then somebody finds it's broken. And then we say, this is an artifact. This is an expensive vintage. We need to do a restoration work on it. We will restore it to its former glory. scriptures document that the promised land was shared to the Israelites by Joshua in accordance to God's instruction that God gave Moses. Are you listening? The scriptures document that the promised land was shared to the Israelites by Joshua according to the instruction God gave Moses when they were in the wilderness. How many of you remember that Moses did not enter that promised land? So it was Joshua that settled the tribes in the promised land. Joshua chapter 14 verse 5. As the Lord commanded Moses, so the children of Israel did. And they divided the land. That's Joshua chapter 14 verse 5. Joshua chapter 18 verse 10. And Joshua cast lots for them in Shiloh before the Lord. And there, Joshua divided the land unto the children of Israel according to their divisions. Joshua chapter 18 verse 10. So here is the picture. Let me paint the picture for you of what we're talking about tonight. One man from a family 
from one of the tribes borrow me one tribe that received land you know in Israel we're now in Israel one of the tribes a man from one of the tribes any of the tribes just choose one Benjamin let's call the man's name Laiwin or Lawin. Lawin receives land he is from the tribe of Benjamin remember the land has been shared by Joshua and Lawin begins to plant he is a farmer he didn't have enough money so he borrowed money from his friend he begins to plant and till the earth he plants in the first year maybe he was not a good farmer maybe he was just a lazy man you know the lazy man will not do the diligence due diligence maybe he was a lazy man maybe he did not just uh, get it right the planting strategies maybe uh, an enemy an enemy went to his, his farm when he had planted well and, and sold tars maybe there was famine in the land there was um, drought maybe, maybe there are so many maybes but let us just assume that things just didn't work well and at harvest he didn't have a good harvest then Lawin says let me try for the next year and then the next year Lawin tries again and, and things were worse and then he goes to the third year and it became more critically worse then he finds himself in a situation where he cannot pay his creditors the land has not given anything good he cannot feed his family he can't even take care of himself and then the creditors begin to come and allowing like you remember the wife of the, the prophet and the creditors begin to demand and they say we are going to take your children if you don't pay back we will take your children and, and, and they take his children then they come back they say you are still owing the money we will take your wife and they take his wife into servitude and then Lawin looks at himself. Even if they were here, I can't even feed them. Even myself, I can't feed myself. Let me go and sell myself. They've taken the land. They've taken his wife. They've taken his children. Then he sells himself as a slave. That's the picture that the Bible is telling us about here. A man who fell into bankruptcy. He can't pay his debts. He can't feed his family or even himself. He can't meet his contractual commitments. He sells the land, sells himself, sells the family. So that he can, at least as a slave, they will feed me. He must feed the slaves. This is a very grave situation. There is nothing frustrating like a person losing his position, his dignity, his possession and his identity. There's nothing as frustrating as losing your position, your wealth, your dignity, and your identity. Can you imagine a owner of land, a family man, suddenly himself now becoming a property? But you know things happen. Terrible, unforeseeable things happen. 
unexpected things happen. Some years ago, 2014 to be precise, that was when we had the market crash, Abby. Was it 2014? When the market indices began to show, they, you know, they were like, they were, everybody was saying it's going up, it's going up. They were saying, come and invest in shares. Banks will write you, come and take money and put in shares. How many of you got those letters? Okay, don't. It was booming. They say, hey, everything is going up. It's going up. The, the, you know the curve now, that curve that they used to show you when you were doing, what do you call it? When we were in school and we were doing accounts. All those ones that we were using hand, they would just draw it with hand. I didn't used to understand it because I was a science student. I mean, you plot the graph. This one, they would just do hand like this. They would tell you that it is a centerist paribus. You don't know. Nothing is equal. And I went to the office of this big CEO. And as I was entering his voice, I was hearing his voice. He was on the phone and he was shouting. I got in and he gave me a seat. I took another call and he was shouting. He was talking to his bankers. And immediately he dropped the phone. He said, Pastor, this was just the first few days. He said, Pastor, I've just lost 80 million naira. He said, and I've not called all my bankers. You know, he was saying so many things, but I couldn't hear him because me, I was just trying to imagine how does 80 million naira look? I was looking for how the shape of 80 million naira, how will it feel, where will it feel? I, uh, 80 million naira, if you put 80 million naira here, yeah, I will just pass out. Remember, I'm a Baptist pastor. There's some people are laughing, say, small boy, look at him. Don't mind me, oh. but that was what I was doing. Oh, just imagining 80 million naira, 80 million. What is 80 million naira? Who is 80 million naira? The man said, I've just lost 80 million. And the thing was still going bad. Some people were coming out and said, Don't worry, it is going to go down. It will still come up. It will, you know, on TV, I was watching all of it. And then the thing kept on going down. It kept on going down. It kept on going down. It kept on going down. This man told me, Say, Pastor, one of my friends just committed suicide. I said, Sir. Small, small. I hope we are okay. He laughed. He said, Pastor, that's the difference between being a Christian and him not a Christian. He said, I'm going to take some days off. And um, by the way, it shouldn't even have happened to me. This has happened to me in the 80s. I should have seen it. It is just pure greed. He's the kind of man that even if he does anything now, he will come and meet me and say, Pastor, this is what I did. He said, It's just pure greed that led me into this. He said, I'll just take some days off. And I know God will make everything okay. That was what he told me. It was really bad. His friend was not the final person to commit suicide. So many people committed suicide. They lost everything. I know people, wonderful Christians, who lost their job because of that. Top officers in their industry. In their industry sector, they lost their jobs. I know people who lost everything. I know a man who had worked all his wife life for one of the multinationals, yeah, and he had planned how he would retire, and he had planned and he had fixed a lot of money into all these things, and his plan was that his family would have a good life. This is a man that they keep on carrying him up and down everywhere. He said, "Let me just bear it." At least very soon I will retire. 
then my family will have a wonderful life. My children will go to the best schools. And, and, and then he came out of re, into retirement and was faced with that. He lost everything. His family turned against him. One day I had the privilege of riding with his last daughter. She was a teenager. And I knew what was going on in the family, even though they had not shared with me. And as I was there, you know, prompting the teenager, she spilled open. And then I painted for her the picture that I'm painting for you now. And she said, Pastor, I never looked at it from this perspective. I saw him as a man who spent all his years away from home and came home with nothing. He didn't see a man who was totally broken because he suffered and sacrificed so that his family will have a good life and it all failed. Lost it. It is better imagined than experienced. And then Lawoyin finds himself a slave in another man's house. Lawoyin, sir! Come and clear the table. Yes, sir. Lawoyin, sir! Go and check if that we are harvesting the crop. Yes, sir. Lawoyin, sir! Of course, you know, now, madame, too. Lawoyin, ma! And he would remember in those moments that he is daydreaming. He will remember the glory of his former life. Then he will come out of it and realize his reality. Lost everything. Things happen. Some years ago, a few years ago, just about to start ministry then was in the seminary just after my first year in the seminary year 2000 in fact the, the graduation the graduation that you know the first year students will be required to be at the graduation of the next year so that they would undo all the logistics and from that place I was not yet married then my wife my wife here was my fiance then and she came from Ife to meet me she was in Ife well, our plan was to, from if I would go to come to Lagos, I was supposed to resume immediately that June. I was supposed to resume. I was okay. I was supposed to have a, have a one week re, retreat, revival service, youth youth week, one week revival service with the youths of New Estate Baptist Church at Yesule. And from there, I was supposed to go and resume at uh, Abuja, New Estate Abuja, for my student holiday, student whatever. And we were rushing back after the graduation in a public vehicle. And we were involved in an accident. I was thrown out of the vehicle. And by, by God's design, that vehicle somehow sorted like three times. But by God's design, I didn't land on my head. I landed on my legs. How it happened, I don't know. I had passed out. And so my legs were broken, the two of them in different degrees. And then 
I was in the hospitals, here, there, operations, failed operation after another. And I began to question God. God, why? I was doing your work. Why should this happen? The doctors were talking grammar. They did the operations in Ogbomoshaw. It looked like time was just going. I came out of the hospital. It was not okay. Come to Lagos. Came to Olaniba Memorial. Started all over. They have to break all the wounds again and then start again. The doctors in Lagos had to have me convince them that the people that handled it before were doctors. They could not believe. They said it, it did not look like it was doctors that operated on me. I remember going into a shouting march with Professor, what was his name now? The one that died. Huh? Cole. I did call you Cole. I went into a shouting march with him. He's now late. Because he kept on asking, are you sure it was doctors that did it? And I was out of pain. I was shouting. Because I could not walk. I have to be crawling. For two hours in the morning, I'll crawl. And then I have to be on strong pain relievers. Before I could get up. Only to be told that, ah, this leg is going to break any moment. And there is still debris in this one. And at the point, I started querying God. At the point, I started philosophizing. At the point, I said I was quarreling with God. Because to me, I had lost it all. I lost it all. How will I serve you when I can't walk again? How will I serve you? When I'm in this kind of pain, they didn't know which leg to treat first. That was their greatest dilemma. They said, which, way, which one where will we start first? I know what it is to have bed sore from lying down for months. I know what it is to be carried because you want to use the toilet. In fact, I designed my own toilet seat in my room on a chair. Brought a capita, Caught it. When you visit me, the chair you sit on beside me and you're saying, Pele, it's my toilet. Because under it, I have put a bowl. And I've put a small thing. I've just removed the one on top. And then I will sit on this one. After I put that one back, you don't know when you come. And I felt I'd lost it all. I remember one day, the Reverend Omotosho came from Ogumosho and he visited, he visited me. He was sweating. The security man at U.S. State had to bring him. He didn't, couldn't find my house. And then when he finally got to my house, he met me sitting down there in my despondency. And he said, ah, God told him to visit me. They've been trying to come. He said uh, Dickens must follow him. They couldn't get Dickens to be ready. He just got out of frustration. He started coming. And he said, let us pray. And as he said, let us pray. I just sat like this. Oh yeah, Mashadura, eh? Just be doing your prayer. I thank God for who God is. You might have lost time. You must have lost 
dreams, visions, opportunities. Maybe it's joy. I don't know what you've lost. But you can feel what Lawoyin was going through in that servitude, in that slavery. But then at the blast of the trumpet on the 58th year, immediately that trumpet blast, Lawoyin gathered himself and said, Ah! Is that not the trumpet of jubilee? They say, yes, that's the trumpet. He said, I'm free. I am free. I am free. The man gathered himself and said, I am free. I am free. I am no more a slave. I can rest from the rigors of servitude. I am released. I can rest. And as he's dancing, now ask himself, but, but where will I go from here? How will I fend for myself? Where will I start from now? What about my family? These were the considerations that made many people decide to remain in slavery during the Sabbath year. Many people will not leave during the Sabbath year, even though that's the seventh year. Even though the seventh year also guarantees that they can be free. Many people will not leave because they will ask the question, if I go, where will I go? To which family will I go? To which land will I go? It was an agrarian community. But in this year of jubilee, you are free! And because you are free, the land that you lost is freed. You are freed. And because the, you are free, the family that you lost to captivity, they are freed. The commandment of God in the year of Jubilee is not only that you will be free, but your resources will be released to you. That which has been taken from you, that which you've lost by carelessness, by, by, by lack of strength, that which you lost by whatever design, whether you have been able to pay for it or not, is released to you. It is the beginning of beginning again. It is the beginning of hope restored. In the year of Jubilee, hope is restored. Means is restored. Position is restored. And all that is yours, possession, is restored. You are just not released to a miserable life in the year of Jubilee. Have you ever seen somebody that just left Kirikiri? If you have a prison ministry, somebody who has been there for a while, especially those that are there legitimately, and then they free them. The, the sense of lostness that accompanies their coming out, if there's nobody to help them, I have seen it. That is why people go back to crime. command of jubilee every slave will be freed must be freed in order to return to his property and to return to his family so now when he gathers himself and he begins to go back you said this from where sir benjamin he begins to go back to the land of benjamin because he knows that there's something waiting for him he gets back to the land of benjamin and there on his land he sees some people he said i am Lawoyin. Ben, so, 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 and so. 
the son of Susu and So, the son of Susu and So, who is the son of Susu and So? When the year that Joshua shared the land, this land was given to my fathers, and I have come to take it back. And those people stop work and they go to the elders. They say, Wow, there's one man that has come, he's telling us a story we don't know. And immediately the elders see, Is that ah, this man looks familiar? Is that not like you know, the elders have been around for a long time. He said, ah, it looks like the son of Kenyo. Then he comes to school. Ah, it's the same. And those people begin to say, what are you trying to say? Say, ah, that land behind the waterfront, near the, it is his father's land. But that's the way we have been. Oh, ah, you better give it to him. This is the year of Jubilee. The command of God. It's not the command of the king. It's not the command of the land. It is the command of God of heaven that he must take his possession. For upon Mount Zion, there shall be deliverance. There shall be holiness. And the house of Jacob shall possess their possession. He takes it back not because he has been able to pay for it. He takes it back not because he has been able to legitimately fulfill all his contractual whatever. He takes it back because God of heaven says in the year of Jubilee the slave must be freed to go back to his property. The Lord when he begins to remember that ah, come I have come home. My wife and children go. Then he remembers that oh his wife and children, they are in Susu's farm, walking there. Then he goes the next morning. In fact, he doesn't wait till the next morning. He goes that night. And he goes there, he goes and knocks the door of the man. Bo, 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 bo. The man says, hey, who is that? It is me, Lawoyi. We say, which Lawoyi? We say, Lawoyi, we say. He said, no. Lawoyi, the son of so, 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 and so. He said, hey, but he's the one that is the only person now. He said, no, 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 no. I hold nobody anything. He said, what do you mean? You can talk. Who gave you what to talk? Have you paid me? He said, I owe you nothing because the God of heaven is standing to meet me today in the year of Jubilee as my king's man redeemer. And because he has redeemed me from every debt, my family has always all been redeemed. Bring out my wife and children. He said, ah, no, no, that cannot. He said, let's go to the elders. And so the elders, they go back to the elders. He said, look at this man. He's coming to stock one book, cock and bull story. He's saying that I should give him his wife. He's not paying me. And the elders look at him. See, there's nothing we can do. It is the year of Jubilee. According to the Torah, according to the word of God, in the year of Jubilee, the slave must be freed. The debtor must be released. His wife and children. He said, where is it in the world? Where is it? Why are you people trying to cheat me? He said, okay. Leviticus chapter 25, verse 40 to 41. But as an iron servant and as a sojourner, he shall be with thee and shall serve thee unto the year of jubilee. And then shall he depart from thee, both he and his children with him, and shall return unto his own family and unto the possession of his fathers shall he return. Oh. Then that man hands off. It's okay. Take your wife. Take your children. Ah, but now when you shoot me, now when you shoot me, take, take, take. And the children call this daddy, 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 daddy. My children, sorry, sorry. Oh God. 
and the wife comes and they all go home back to the land to start again a new beginning a new beginning one of the reasons that God allowed this is that land in Israel must not be permanently sold if this is allowed one, one, one tribe will have more land and it's possible for a particular tribe to lose its land another reason is that God wants Israel to always remember that he is the owner of the land that they are tenants on the land another reason is that he wants the people to always have the opportunity of new beginnings you see the time that Lawin lost in servitude in slavery was not lost time because in that slavery the things he did not know that made him fail he will learn them the things that he did not know that made him fail he will have learned it it was not totally lost because hope has been restored I don't know what you have lost and I don't know how far reaching the efforts you have made to recover them God's command God's plan for you in the year of jubilee is that you will recover all you will recover all possessions and position you will recover all God's plan is to restore you mentally, physically, psychologically, spiritually, financially, socially. Today, tonight, the Lord will restore you on every side. What you thought was lost for good is about to be returned to you. I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army, which I sent among you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God, who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never again be put to shame. You shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I am the Lord your God, and there is none else. And my people shall never again be put to shame. And it shall come to pass after war that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. Tonight, there is restoration. The decree and the command to restore is in the air for enforcement. I don't know what you've lost. But God says he will restore. Thank you for listening. We hope you were blessed. Ikoi Baptist Church is a Bible-believing church located at 5-7 Latif Jakande Road in Ikoi of Lagos State, Nigeria. 
You can find us on Facebook as Ikoi Baptist Church or reach the church directly via phone at 0163-20485 and 0163-20486. For more information, please visit the church website at www.ikoibaptistchurch.org. We look forward to having you back next week.